On this episode of A Tale of Two Rivals, Spaceman and Bertraman explore where RBs can land and find some success. Stay tuned. Two Rivals, a fantasy football podcast put on by your three-peat, always in the championship, go with your gut, winner, and a numbers-loving, spreadsheet-obsessed nerd to try to find some sort of consensus to share with you, the fantasy football listener. Who am I joined by? Joined by at FF underscore Spaceman Dave Wright and Todd. I really enjoyed the way you brought us in tonight, real good stuff tonight. That wiki 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 got me going. I am pumped up. It's been a hot minute. Last week we did not record because we saw each other in person. We hung out, had some drinks. I met your son for the first time. Reunited and it feels so good. Dave, you were showered with presents. Showered. I was with showered with presents. I was almost I was almost uncomfortable with how awesome the presents were, dude. It was pretty sweet. Well, I mean, I bought myself a Tale of Two Rivals mug. I mean, glass. I had to hook you up. And then uh, my father-in-law at Vanderhoof Hardware in Concord, Massachusetts, made us both custom signs with LED lights in them, with the the writing in the logo, which are pretty sweet. And then you got the IDP belt, buddy. Yes, sir. That's like I said. That's not a present, but enough. Yeah. You know, it's it's in yeah. my house. I'm looking at it right now. Uh, Feeling and, good. And you definitely scolded my son for wearing it. It was pretty messed up. Oh, we talked about that last time, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> I always want to thank uh, Mr. Sad for this delicious foam beer that I'm drinking right now. Yeah, man, no, it was great to catch up. Seeing little Dave and uh, Jackson like play and little Dave like being so interested in Jackson. It was cool, man. It was cool. I also appreciate you bringing your son so I could hold him and be like, I'm, I'm less than a month out from number two, so... That was that was a nice warm up for me. <laughs> I was like, you know, I was, I was like, oh, I'm looking forward to this again. Nice. We got question of the day, buddy. Q O D. Today's question is, what are the best cover songs? Go for it. All right. First was Atlantic City by the band. I did not even know that Bruce Springsteen originally wrote that back in 1982. I discovered that like last week. But I've been on a band kick. I watched their documentary like a year ago, and I've been obsessed with the band since I watched the documentary. And Atlantic City, really, their version, it's got that bluegrass, southern rock feel to it, folky, a little with a folk influence, and I really enjoy Atlantic City by the band. And then another bluegrass cover of uh, Wildflowers by Tom Petty, but this is by Trampled by Turtles. Great song. Great yeah. song. Phenomenal song. That means a lot to me and Quinn personally. And Triple by Turtles, who's just a general overall great band, but they do a bluegrass version of Wildflowers. And I, I, I'm a big fan of bluegrass in general, so I really enjoy that cover. And then to wrap it up with my third, this has been, and this isn't my all time list. This is just what I've been really enjoying lately because we could do an entire series of covers. We could have to go by decade. There's it's there's so much by genre, so there's there's a lot to dig into. So this is just my what I've been feeling lately, and this one isn't even on Spotify. I have to watch a clip of it on YouTube. It's Chance the Rapper does a cover a country rock version of "Hot in Here" by Nelly, and he did it on Jimmy Fallon's freaking <laughs> new TV show, which I'm not even the Jimmy Fallon guy. That's awesome. But That's awesome. so I go to 54 seconds into this clip. And I have probably listened to Chance the Rapper do this country rock version of Hot in Here about, I'd say, like 45, 55 times by now. I'm obsessed. I, did, I watched, like, listened about 15, 15, 20 times last night. Yeah, man, I'm real Hot in Here by Chance the Rapper. That cover was, I hope he does a real cover of it. it was, that's how good it was. You need to text me that clip, and I'll watch it after the show. So it's funny that you quoted a rapper for your last one because... 
I wanted to talk about my my two difficult missions, which were one was killing them softly by the Fugees. That is a cover, and it's amazing. And two, everyone knows the song Rapper's Delight, but they made this uh, album in the 90s called Back in the Day that Method Man and Red Man did a cover of it, and it was freaking awesome. <laughs> I used to listen to it all the time. That song's been covered so many times. Dude, the Wedding Singers cover of that was phenomenal, too. <laughs> oh, <laughs> dude. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I love it. But, um, all right, so at number five, we have Inner City Blues by Mark Bruchard, who's a phenomenal artist, if you haven't heard of him. He did uh, a song, Beauty For You Are, which is my the, was the first dance with my wife. I've seen him live four or five times. But anyways, Inner City Blues is a song by Marvin Gaye, and he does it so much justice with the soul. Number four, Sounds of Silence by Disturbed. That was such a cool cover. And Good I'm call. Still, Good call. I'm still obsessed with that. Obviously, Simon and Garfunkel. Number three is interesting because it's Some Over the Rainbow by Jeff Beck. However, I saw Clapton do it live when I was in high school, and it was cool. And like Clapton sang it too. Jeff Beck does that all with like a whammy bar. It is so beautiful and just kills it. Number two, The Man Who Sold the World on the Nirvana Unplugged album. That is a David Bowie song. And if you didn't know that, Kurt Cobain literally says it at the end of the song. <laughs> so I actually listened to that entire album when I was coming up with this list. That was fun. And the number one cover song for me is Hurt by Johnny Cash, which is actually, a, that, that's actually a Nine Inch Nail song. The cool thing about Johnny Cash, this one is, is that Joe and I went to um, Nashville and they have a Johnny Cash museum, which was super cool. And you just read Trent Reznor's like reaction to the song and he like gushed about it. And at the end of the quote, he just goes, it's not my song anymore. It's Johnny's, which I thought was like pretty cool. Like somebody who like made a song is just like, it's, it doesn't belong to me anymore. Belongs to the man in black, which I, it was, it's just cool. And that song is just. I probably listen to that song like once a week, minimal. I love that song. Love that song. He does a the I won't back down with Tom Petty. He his covers in his later career were awesome. That good call here. There was a, several Johnny Cash songs that I considered the Nirvana songs in the top a lot of top lists as well, man. That's a, a very popular cover song, man. So that was a great list. I really enjoyed this. We're gonna send out a tweet this week. We want to hear your favorite covers. I really enjoy covers. Sometimes I don't even know when they're covers. I always enjoy finding that stuff out. So yeah, hit us up with your co- your favorite cover songs so we can, because uh, I'm always looking to add to my music my music library. Tonight's football topic is, uh, we're sticking with the landing spots theme. Well, we should say series, not theme. Uh, we're going to look at running back landing spots. So on the QB landing spots, we talked about the best and worst landing spots. We're not doing that for this one. We're doing three of the best, and then we're doing a great spot for a backup running back, which is Dave's idea, and I love that idea. For this time around, Dave got to pick first, then I got to pick second. But before we really dive into our choices, I think it's important for us to stop, reflect, and look at the process. Like, So let's stop and reflect and think about what is our criteria to define a good landing spot for a running back. What about you, Davey? Shed some light in the situation. First, I enjoyed prepping for this so much more than last episode because... The last one, when you're talking about QB landing spots, the QB makes it. You know, like Tom Brady made that Tampa Bay landing spot. Yeah, Chris Godwin, that offense. There's a lot that came around him, but Tom Brady made that. If Aaron Rodgers uh, yeah, and Russell quite, Wilson leaves. Quite a bit around him, dude. <laughs> I mean, you just can't breeze past that. No, but you know what I'm trying to say? Like, if Jameis Winston landed there, no no big deal. <laughs> I'm trying to, you know, fair, 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 fair. And Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson, if they go somewhere... There, that's the dominant theme. And I start by zooming out and looking at the team level first. A lot of people like to look at the depth chart first and foremost, but I want to look at the team. And the first thing I look at is pass to run ratio and neutral game ratio. So that's what you can, if anyone is ever looking for that, you can find that at sharpfootballstats.com. You go to their offensive tab, play frequency, situational run, pass ratios, and you can filter through a bunch of different scenarios to get to the the neutral game scenarios really like that. Very sticky year to year. The, there's a lot that goes into, you know, overall play volume and predicting the offense and at like the volume. But what really is a good indicator is that pass rate to, uh, rate in neutral scenarios. Then I go to uh, the pace of play for the offense seconds per play 
and then also seconds per play in neutral game scripts. I find that over at Football Outsiders. Really, because you know, the more time, more plays you run, the more volume that offense is going to have, and that means more run plays. So I like that. And then I like to look at how often the QB targets the running back. And then also, then I look at the surrounding weapons, like the QB, you know, if they're a rushing QB, because that really impacts the goal line work uh, that can vulture stuff. And then also, like, the, I want them to have good weapons around them. I want them to have good wide receivers and tight ends so they can, they, you know, more first downs, more red zone trips, more t- overall touchdown opportunities. So I like that. And then also offensive line, Todd. I go over to football stars. I look at their offensive line stuff. Now, offensive line is not sticky year to year at, or as sticky year to year, but it still gives me a good, I like to just know it. And then same thing with defense. I like to know their defense, but actually I've gotten in trouble with that. Like I thought Cincinnati was going to have a terrible defense. Well, they improved their defense and then they didn't pass as much as I thought they were early in the season. Then after all that and looking at the actual team, then I look at the depth chart for running backs. The existing RBs that are there, their skill, their previous volume, then their contracts. And then if there's an established pass catcher, because if there's an established pass catcher there, I think that can limit the overall volume for the landing spot. I think that's about it, Todd. So I, I really, I care more. I zoom out first, and then I get into the RB room kind of last. That's interesting, because I start there. <laughs> See, for me, it's more about, is there opportunity? Is there a chance for a look world? Like, for him, for him to have the share. That's the most important thing to me, for sure. So then I want him on a, a competitive good team. Good teams produce good players and scoring opportunities. I want them attached to a good offense. Number three for me is offensive line. I do agree with you. It's not at, it's not sticky, David. Like it's not a sticky unit all the time. But the foundation pieces are pretty darn sticky. They are, Davy. They're pretty darn sticky. I, and I will interrupt. Sometimes I just want to know if maybe they're returning a lot of their offensive line. Right. Right. That can go a long way too. Just having the same starters from year to year. If you have an elite offensive tackle, there's a good chance that that player's staying. Then I go into you, like you were talking more about script to what I would call scheme, but kind of the same thinking. And then supporting cast, exactly what you said. Like, And then I do agree with you with the Russian QB, like limiting ceiling. But I don't really, it would be like if I'm stuck between two guys and I really can't pick, that might be the thing that pushes me one way or the other. But it's not something that I'm going to really hone in on. And that's something that like, I'll get into a little bit later with some of my picks. But I loved, I, I loved your criteria, Dave, and that's my top five reasons of, like, my top five pieces of criteria for, like, what I believe would be a good landing spot for a running back. So what's your first choice, Dave? My first choice is going to be Seattle. But, two, before I move on to that, I try not to be super rigid because I think how these all these pieces fit together, it's not just a one formula. So it's so you can't be necessarily as rigid, which, you know, Todd, you know, I, I sometimes can be a little black and white here. So I'm... No, you... You? <laughs> With running backs? No. Yes, 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 yes. No. I think there's like four running backs I want on my roster this year. But anyway, first up is Seattle. And I don't I did a lot of research on this Todd. I didn't see think I saw anyone mentioning Seattle as a favorite landing spot. And first, I just want to say deep down in his soul, we all know Pete Carroll, if he could, would rush the ball in every single play. If he could win the game and rush every single time, he would. Except except on the one-yard line. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Zing. But that being said, they actually are middle of the pack with a 56% run ratio in neutral game scripts. De- you know, a decent passing volume, but rushing volume as well. Uh, Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, and D- Tyler Lockett provide a very good offensive base. Until Russell Wilson leaves, which he very well could, but until he does leave, I'm just going to assume that he's staying. And DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, that is a great core for an offense. And that's going to keep the offense moving big plays. And they can then center around that run game, which is what they want to do in Seattle. And in the past, Todd, Seattle gets dinged a lot for their offensive line play. One of the biggest criticisms you've heard, I've probably heard of the last five years is their offensive line. But they were actually, I was actually a little surprised. They were... Middle of the pack, 14th in uh, Football Outsiders adjusted line yards last season. And this was actually the big shock for me because I think Seattle offense, I feel like it's a little archaic, a little old school. Pete Carroll's, and you know, he's stuck in the past. But no, they were actually sixth in the league this year in seconds per play and eighth in seconds per play in neutral game scripts. So they run 
a lot of plays out in Seattle last year, which was exciting to me, which I like to see. I like to see a lot of plays boost that overall floor for the offense. And then Russell Wilson last year was actually 28th when targeting RBs, which is not good. But the year before, he was 11th. When, and actually, Chris Carson put up one of the best receiving numbers of his career, actually his career best in receiving numbers in 2020. But the key thing is, Todd, there was an offensive off coordinator change from 2020 to 2021. So that, that kind, I'm not, it's tough to read into that. Maybe this is just a new philosophy here. So that's the overall team situation. You know, decent volume, okay run play, good offensive weapons around him. And then the actual running backs there, Rashad Penny's a free agent. I'm not concerned about Travis Homer. I'm not even sure if he could be a free agent for all I know. I didn't even look what his contract situation was. And Chris Carson has a pretty decent out this offseason. And he had that neck injury where I could very see, easily see them moving on from Chris Carson for, I think, maybe just $3 million in dead cap. I know they like Chris Carson. He's a team favorite, fan favorite. But see, I could easily see Rashad Penny. They want a running back. They want a star running back. They want that Marshawn Lynch again. So I could see them investing in a, a rookie running back or a free agent. And then to pair that with Russell Wilson and those offensive weapons, Seattle is an under-the-radar attractive landing spot for me. Yeah, I'm going to disagree. One, the line is not great. It's not a it's not an elite line. It's not a line that I'm going to does anything for me. I think Russell Wilson is gone. I think it's time to move on from Russell Wilson for both sides. I do Carson. I don't think gets cut because he's a free agent in 2023, anyways. So I feel like keeping him on and not saving the cap doesn't make sense. And I also think they were shy Penny. Because I don't think Penny's going to command a lot of money. I think he's going to be a great value player for them. And he knows the system. And he started showing something towards the end of the year. But not enough to really go out in the, in the free market and like get a significant paycheck. I also think Pete Carroll's era is coming to an end at some point. There's just so many variables there that are just not... Makes for a more crowded backfield situation. Tons of change in the offense, including leading, losing a weak quarterback. And not a great offensive line. I do agree with the Lockett DK part, but there's just so many things there I just don't like, Dave. Five hours ago, Pete Carroll says they have no intention of trading Russell Wilson. Five hours ago, that happened. At the oh my combine. God, are you quoting coach speak to me right now? I'm, Todd, why would they trade? Why trade Russell Wilson? That doesn't make sense. Okay, because one, they have no business competing this year. They're just not going to compete. Then they should fire Pete Carroll. Which I think they will at some point. I think Pete Carroll has not done enough to keep that job. So I think that we're looking at a coaching change coming sooner than later. Also, trading Russell Wilson right now where he's at actually gives them the best value to get a significant return to add around a lot of good young pieces. And maybe even get like, he's definitely worth getting a first round pick back. You do that and you go and draft a rookie and you start your rebuild. They're not competing. It makes so much sense to get rid of Russell Wilson. So much sense. Makes sense for Russell Wilson so he can go compete and go try to get another ring. He's not happy in Seattle. And then on top of that is Seattle's going nowhere. So why on earth would you just invest that kind of capital into a guy that's not really going to be growing? He's going towards the other side of the situation. So yeah, I, I it doesn't make sense to me to keep them. It makes so much more sense to cash out on a guy that's still in his prime when you're not in a winning situation and just reap the rewards in the capital piece. We're just going to have to agree to disagree here. I, I, I want to move on. I, I have a lot more I could say, but I think, I think it's time to move on. All right, go for it. You're next, oh, though. My, sorry. <laughs> Woo, hot baba. All right. My next spot is a bit of a sleeper. I hope everyone is sitting down. It's Buffalo. Yeah, everybody would pick Buffalo. But I'm just not going to overthink this one. Yes, Josh Allen runs a lot. Yes, he cut he caps an RB's potential. But it's a high-powered offense with elite pieces pretty much everywhere else. They need a Y2 upgrade, do a little work on the offensive line, and then the RB upgrade is clearly the most important piece to them becoming into like a truly dominant offense. Actually, I would say Y2 is, but it's not that far behind. Singletary's a free agent after the season, and he clearly hasn't seized that job. So his time is there is done. Moss is... Nothing more than a solid depth piece at this point. No real threat to a running back competition. It just makes sense to me. Like, 
that that is such a great opportunity and such a great offense. And it makes sense in my mind that they're not going to want to like use Josh Allen as they prefer not to use him as much as a goal line situations so that they can kind of preserve him and have like a little bit more of a balanced offense. Maybe going for a four net or Gordon would be ideal, but I don't think that really fits in the cap space at the moment. Unless they made some serious cuts. But if it were a free agent, I think where he most hurt or Jeff Wilson would be solid guys at a modest price. And I think they both could be very effective on offense while taking a large running back share. However, I think the path that makes the most sense is through the rookie piece from a bill standpoint and a financial standpoint. I could see them using a second or a third round on a back. I mean, Brees Hall is the obvious choice here as a home run. Spiller or Walker would be clearly be great fits as well. But the guy that I really like in the idea of Buffalo, which would probably be a third round pick or possibly even a fourth round pick would be like Kyron Williams, who's a phenomenal all around back, does everything well and has clear receiving upside as well, which I think would work really well with a mobile quarterback like Allen. And I think it would add a piece to their offense that you didn't see them be able to use with, you know, being able to put like an athletic player like him out in space and using him as like that, that dump option, right? And I, I don't hate the idea of reaching for him for a second, too, if they feel like he's worth it, you know, but he's a guy that's clearly could could survive past the second round and they don't have to put that capital into him. So Buffalo is obviously my, my first choice, and I think that's a pretty popular choice in most places. It is a popular place. It is not was not in my top three top, believe it or not. This is actually fun. We we've tend to we've been agreeing a lot lately. It's because you finally have found the wisdom of my spreadsheet. You started using my database and you you know, I beat you in a championship and you realized it was time to start taking some of my tricks. So you we've been agreeing I'm a sorry, lot. Lately. I'm sorry, you beating me in IDP championship and, made me like me- and two K. Oh yeah, that's that happened. <laughs> back-to-back championships i get back-to-back years i should say but anyway i, I, I remember I, my I, first beer <laughs> well actually my second beer todd but anyway uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah, buffalo won first off they're second to pass run ratio very pass happy team which i really love about this offense is that they've found the way to maximize their offense is to throw the ball i love it they actually were surprising to me. They were actually 13th in total pass attempts, the running backs last year, and they did it at an 18% rate in neutral game s- scripts. <laughs> that is t- that is a mouthful. Holy smokes. But the reason why I bring it up, Todd, that shows a lot of growth from Josh Allen. He would played a lot of hero ball, a lot of push the ball down the field, or a lot of scrambling. But to see the pass attempts up to running back means that he's growing. He's taking what the defense can give him. So I kind of like that for a running back if they were to land there and solid offensive, uh, you know, overall play 14th and seconds per play ninth in neutral game scripts. The, the offense overall is really good to 12th and in, in just a line yards for run for, for rushing for that O line. And you covered it. Josh Allen is a vulture. He, he's one of like four players, Todd, to have at least, I think five rushing touchdowns the last four years or three years, something like that. One of only four people in the NFL. I was, that was a, uh, Curtis Patrick stat that he came up with uh, earlier this week, but which was just kind of blew my mind that Josh Allen's one of four players in the NFL to be consistently scoring rushing touchdowns. And that's a big deal to, to have a QB stealing that. I guess they're overall Todd, the reason why it's not, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't hate it just because it, it does feel a little wide open, like you're saying here, but I, it's just not my favorite There's other places that I would like to see. I don't think it's a bad spot by any means. It's just not my it's not my flag plant place to do it, even though I you you gotta like being attached to Josh Allen. That that is a overall it's a good. So I'm not gonna say it's my favorite, but it's a solid landing spot for sure. Alrighty, what's your number two, Davey? I actually struggled with this, Todd. A couple of came in. Like I started running up Atlanta, and then I was like, I started looking at it. It's just not that. Yeah, there's tons of opportunity. Even though Cordell Patterson's still there, I believe. That was an awful pick. That was an it, awful pick. It, I mean, there's there's opportunity there, theoretically. Sure. Because everybody sucks. <laughs> yep. The whole team sucks. That Todd, that's why I stopped writing him up. <laughs> I went through there my process. There we go. I'm I, sorry. That that was that was on the surface. I'm glad you got there, buddy. <laughs> I went through, and I, I was like, yeah, I don't really love this. But I will say, I will say, 
Arthur, I want to say Arthur Blank. It's not Arthur Blank. But the coach there, he wants to run the ball. <laughs> do that. I do. I, that's like a, a crutch. I would call the coach Arthur Blank every time. <laughs> Arthur Smith. Arthur, oh God, I don't think I would ever, I could have sat here for 20 minutes. I don't think I would have come up with that, Todd. You're Thank welcome, you. buddy. Whew. All right, moving on, though. So no Atlanta. And then I thought, maybe let's play around with Houston and Lovey Smith. And I was like, no, I, I don't know. I don't want to get into Houston. So Miami. <laughs> what was that again, too? Houston? What is, like, there's nothing good going on in Houston. Dude, dude all nothing. pro Davis Mills, man. The giraffe himself. Oh, my God. Just talk yeah. about Miami. I, I can't listen to this. <laughs> But no, Miami, and there's some good and bad spots with Miami. First, I don't think you can get a lot by looking at Miami last year because there's a coaching change. So I, I looked a little bit at Mike, Mc, or not, Mike McDaniel a little bit and pulled what San Francisco did more than worrying about what Miami did last year. Unfortunately, Miami was 30th in adjusted line yards last season per football outsiders, and they were only 20th when targeting running backs on the backfield last season in your game scripts. But Todd, San Francisco, Mike McDaniel, they were actually ninth when targeting running backs on 21% of their pass attempts in neutral game scenarios. So that's, that's exciting that if they can bring that kind of scheme change. And you know, we hear all kinds of exciting things about the Shanahan st- scheme. And I know McDaniel's been in a lot of other places as well. So I'm just really excited to bring that kind of scheme to Miami, what that can do for the run game, even though I'm afraid they might rely on it a little too much. But, you know, Miles Gaskin getting to actually who's there in Miami. Very capable runner, but if a top rookie or free agent lands there, I'm not worried about him being a major impediment. He might cap their third down upside as a pass catcher and might th- take 35 to 40% of that opportunity share, but really don't think he's going to be a total roadblock to a top running back lane there. And two is very good from that zero to nine yard range, very accurate, and pl- not as great when targeting players behind the line of scrimmage. But that also has to do with the offensive line play. So overall, Tua very capable of taking what the defense gives him. Intriguing, intriguing options. Open depth chart, interesting scheme. I think it'd be a good place for running back to land. Are you worried at all about drama around uh, this offseason? Kind of lingering in that organization? That's a good point. Like being, uh, no. No, I, I, I'm really... Not. I don't look, worry about that. I'm. Sh- I probably should. I hope whoever, if there, the accusations are accurate, and if that really happened, I hope people get dinged. And yeah, but it, honestly, I don't think it'd be a bad thing to happen to Miami if they sold that team anyway. So I mean, I feel like I shouldn't be worried about it as much. So it's interesting. I feel like us together would find like the appropriate amount but, um, of worry. I should say. I don't like the idea now however from a running standpoint you couldn't have had a better hire right but the problem with the hire is he's coming in to implement a system with nobody who's capable of implementing it from a blocking standpoint that line sucks it is awful it is not like let's invest in like it's a complete rebuild like there's nothing attractive about that line so you're already ready to give up on their first round pick last year i don't Ah, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm pretty over it. I didn't really think it was a great pick before. Very, very developmental pick. It was odd. It was odd. Yeah, exactly. So to me, it's just kind of like there's just too many issues there. Just too many issues in that line. I do like the idea of Tua with a running back, but I think the perfect running back for Tua is already there in Gaskin. You know what I mean? Like I think he's the guy who's going to be benefiting the most from that to a play style, you know? So I'm not high on Miami. I'm not, you know, but you can't deny that there's opportunity with a coach that's well-versed in run game. Very well said. So moving on to your second choice, Todd, I'd love to hear you. Let's hear it. Let's bring some fire here. Okay. So my second choice is definitely a bit of a, we'll call it an investment choice. Uh, It's Philadelphia. Now, yes, Miles Sanders is still in Philly. But he's a free agent after this year. So it's an emerging offense, right? With Devontae Smith, Hurts, Goddard. I think Quez Watkins as a wide three would be amazing. I think they add another wide receiver in some sort of way through the draft or, or um, through free agency. So you have 
a good foundation of an offense there. However, the best benefit that here is that outstanding, stable, and consistently built offensive line. And it's probably top five, if not top three. And they have solid depth behind those guys. So guys are like kind of like the only team that I think honestly probably did better rotationally with offensive line in my mind over the last like decade or so would be like would be New England. New England's just like always been like next guy up with the line. Let's describe Miles Sanders. He's been solid, but no doubt underperforming and struggling to stay healthy. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent this year, and he's going to command some dough. He's still going to command some money. I don't think Philly's, it's in Philly's best interest to invest serious money into him. So, I love Kenny Gainwell. I've been a big Kenny Gainwell fan for a long time, and I believe he could be a three-down back, but it's just not a guarantee, and, he's, and there's people that could easily beat him out for that role. So, the dream scenario for this is completely unrealistic because I don't see them investing the draft capital in this. But oh my God, Kenny Walker from Michigan State on the Eagles would be sick. He's like the perfect contrast to Gainwell and one of the best pure runners I've seen since JT. No, he is not in Jonathan Taylor's level. He's just one of the best I've seen since Jonathan Taylor came out. So let's just get that straight. I just don't see them investing that much in him. But if it were to happen, oh, that'd be exciting from a fantasy standpoint. However. Like I said, this is definitely a pick from like 20 to 2023 beyond. But I still think if you get a player like with Sanders, they still could have some value in this season because they're going to want to try to implement him. And I could also see Sanders getting moved. Free agent doesn't really make sense to me here. And like I said, I think Walker's pretty unrealistic. So I think you're looking at more like day three guys that could have some sneaky value. And that's not really uncommon at the running back spot for guys to be a day three pick and then develop. Uh, Sincere McCormick out of uh, University of Texas, San Antonio. That is the guy that I think is, he's well-known in the C2C community because he was a beast in college. And he played, like, not at a high level, but if you watch the tape and you see the production, he's a good back. And I think that he'd be a great fit there. Tyler Algier from BYU would be a great pickup. And I also think Lee Brown, as a late pick for West Virginia, could do some uh, could do well in that offense. Yeah, man. I mean, for me, Philly... Uh, a rookie landing in there and getting opportunity and having the opportunity to complement a gain well uh, once Sanders moves on with all the other pieces there. That's a dream come true. You just got to have a little patience about 2022. I You might have disagreed a lot with my with my like Seattle pick here, but I, I vehemently disagree with Philly. I, I'm a lot more. One thing I know is <laughs> you when, have I'm, to throw that aggressive adjective to make it vehemently. seem like it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it, it like I, I yes, I strongly disagree. Um, excuse me, adverb. I can't let that slide. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Uh, and I think one thing that I noticed here too with landing spots, you're looking a little bit more outside of just one year, especially for like my second overall landing spot for a running back. I would want a lot more immediate opportunity. People, fantasy managers in particular, are very short sided with their running backs, especially like they need that immediate production. I think. Uh, and two, Todd, like Miles Sanders is that like Boston Scott's at RFA. He's probably going to be back. So that's gonna, like three running backs that they've been, that, that they have experience with that you've got to compete with. Now, of course, Kenneth Walker, I think you said his name, Kenny Walker. Uh, yeah, he, he would definitely make some hay in that backfield. Don't get me wrong, but I, there's a lot of bodies there where if you're worried about Rashad Penny and and the the Frankenstein comp of or the Frankenstein put back together Chris Carson or even Miles Gaskin, I'd be a lot more worried about Kenny Gainwell and Miles Sanders, especially in year one. And that's not even to accompany that we the biggest elf in the room, Jalen Hurts. I think he's we're talking about Vulture. Like we we talked about Josh Allen taking rushing touchdowns. Jo, uh, Jalen Hurts just he wants them all to himself. I he doesn't even give anyone else rushing touchdown opportunities. He's like Nah, I'm, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna take it in myself. They're definitely easy handoff, and the running back is score. Nah, nah, I'm gonna do it myself. I'm gonna take on these two guys and score. But you're right; the offensive line is good, for, especially for rushing. Uh, decent. It's very not good. good pace it's of play. It's not good. It's elite. It's an elite offensive line. Yes, top five for sure. For top five, and 
which is surprising because they had dealt with some injuries too at, at points this year in the last couple of years and to still be able to do it, very good system in place there. Exactly. But, you know, and, they, they, and they run the ball and, too much. Any running back that played produced. Yes. Scott, Gainwell, Sanders, didn't matter. They all produced. And they're not really committed. That's for years now. They've not really committed to a, a, a workhorse here. They're all about more of a committee approach. They run the ball 31st in pass run ratio. Okay, I'm sorry. I have to interrupt on that one. I think that they wanted Sanders to be that guy, and he just wasn't. I think that's the that's the thing you're overlooking with that. They wanted Sanders to be the workhorse, and he didn't become that. And he wasn't reliable to stay healthy enough to do that. So that's the thing that I I strongly disagree with that approach. I just don't think they they just whiffed on the guy that they wanted in that role. Yeah, I mean, yeah, true. But Miles Sanders is there now. Kenny Gainwell just was drafted. There's a lot stacking up to make it your second. Now, I actually think this would have been the perfect pick for our backup landing spot. This would be the ideal spot as a number one overall option for later on the show. But look, I understand why you do it, but I just, and we'll just have to agree to disagree on Philly. Fair enough. I'm fine with you being wrong. What's your third one? <laughs> I'll pro- well, I might as well keep getting wrong here. Middle, so Arizona Cardinals. Tell me, tell why- me what other like, like subpar team that you think would be great for a running back. <laughs> the Arizona Cardinals, the uh, Cliff Kingsbury, ugh, just ruining, ruining fantasy careers left and right. Oh my God! Uh, you pick a playoff team? Wow. Yes. Yep. <laughs> so, <laughs> but Arizona Cardinals middle of the pack pass run ratio, which is just what I like to see: fifty-seven percent, twenty-third in RB pass rate, which is a little surprising too, because James Conner was there, caught some decent amount of passes. Chase Edmonds was there. This is more neutral game scripts, I suppose, so it, that can get a little skewed. Uh, they took an, a big, big step back in overall play volume. They were consistently early on one or two in uh, plays per second. They took a big step back to more of the middle of the pack. Was this, Col- I'm not sure if this is Colt McCoy related or they, they didn't like their weapons and, and their Kyler was injured. I'm not sure what the reason was, but it really hurt the overall volume and just two to three seconds per play slower was maddening. Total was, did not see that coming at all. And they didn't really improve. They did. They invested a little bit more in that that offensive line. Actually, a lot more in that offensive line last season from 2020 to 2021. But they remained a bottom five in uh, Football Outsiders adjusted line yards. Uh, Kyler Murray's rushing does ding the landing spot. He's not rushing as much, but still, you got to think that that's there. But the big thing is, it's a good offense. It's an offensively focused team that actually runs the ball quite a bit compared to the right would, would to my expectations and both Connor and Edmonds are free agents. So it's basically Eno Benjamin and another running back who I can't remember right now who played like three snaps last year. So wide open. And now Arizona does like to, sh- they've in the past, they've shared the backfield. It's been a split with Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds and then James Connor and Chase Edmonds. But who, like you said, Todd, who knows? If a dynamite option lands there from free agency or in the draft, they might change that philosophy a little bit. I'm emotional about this pick. It's the end of the Chase Edmonds era. <sighs> Never turned out to what it was supposed to be. But objectively, this is a very solid pick, Dave. I, I, I actually like the pick. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's kind, it's pretty much kind of similar to the Buffalo scenario, in my opinion. Like, a lot of the same variables in place. But, like, the running backs had a crap load of a success there. Like, James Conner just, like, bounced back. You know what I mean? And, like, uh, James Conner's a guy that actually is a guy I'm going to talk about for my next pick. I, I like the pick. I just I just like the pick, Dave. Good job. Good job. Thanks. Oh, some agreement. There we go. I'm probably going to agree with this last pick just to keep things rosy and cheery. Yeah. Oh, I picked a good team. Like, I picked teams that compete. You keep picking dumpster fires. My last pick is another shocker. Tampa Bay. Yeah, it's an obvious choice. So let's just not try to get past it too much. Elite offensive line, two uh, free agent running backs that were the one and two running backs. Clearly lost one of the best offensive linemen to retirement this year. But at the same time, you know, you also lose Brady, which is obviously a big change. And I still think Vaughn uh, could could compete for that uh, starting spot. And I just traded a uh, 2023 third to pick him up. And I was pretty excited about that. Yeah, I was thinking about doing the same thing myself. 
I was pretty stoked. I'm like, if I if I if this doesn't work out like I think it could, then it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? I get the whole idea with like the changes and stuff, but you can make that argument just about anywhere. Every place is going to have some sort of hole to like to poke through. The point is, there's, there's a huge opportunity to take over this backfield, and it's still a good team with plenty of good pieces left after Brady's departure. I, I clearly, I think like a, like a rookie would probably be a good move in like the build here, but considering that they're probably still in like a bit of depending on whatever they do to address QB, and I imagine they're going to be aggressive with that part, and it just makes so much more sense for them to go out and look for like be one of the vet be in the veteran game for that. So from a veteran standpoint. I really like the idea of like a David Johnson or a Philip Lindsay here. Very cheap, but could still be productive. But I don't really see like a splash free agent here. So you ready for a Hail Mary, Dave? What about Marlon Mack here? Like he'd be on like a vet min. You know what I mean? Like he would not be like making like much money there. Though I think the ideal pick would be like a James Conner. But I just don't have a good gauge for what his potential contract would be. And if that's a realistic like expectation. So I think pretty much anybody could just slide into there and be productive that's like a halfway decent back um are they gonna be like top 12 potential just about anybody can be top 12 potential no not at all but the point is is that anybody who goes in and gets a solid share in that offense it's a pretty i would consider a pretty consistent rb2 candidate yeah man i like tampa bay just missed missed as an opportunity or as a landing spot for me too the off like losing that the i forget the lineman's name here but he's a big part of the offensive line losing tom brady I think that had a lot to do with their high volume offense being first in pass attempts and running backs. I think that had a lot to do with Tom Brady he, that he's excels at that. Like I think he also helps the offensive line the way he adjusts packages and the way he gets the ball out quickly. So and Tom Brady did a lot. Now that being said, lots of it's almost wide open there. Besides Keyshawn Vaughn, is Ronald Jones gone, Todd? I don't even know. But yeah, wide open. No, and, Ronald Jones and Fournette are free agents. Yeah, yeah. So, not that, not that I'm worried about Ronald Jones being there anyway. Yeah. So and, yeah, and, 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 and them both being gone makes it clearly less muddy, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, uh, but and I will both, say, Todd. Yeah, they both got to be gone. They both yeah. got to be gone. I do think the one thing that does worry me is that Arians can be very finicky with that trigger. You make a mistake, and he like you miss a pass block. And boom, you're out for the rest of the game. 100%. Especially with rookies 100%. too. What he did with Keyshawn Vaughn, I don't think Keyshawn Vaughn played. Keyshawn Vaughn played that bad as a rookie, and he very low patience with him. Yeah, that's that's one concern I have here. But I don't think Bruce Arians is is who knows how much longer he's going to be coaching for. But yeah, overall, I think this is a wide open spot, and it's a, a good pick by you. Thank you, sir. By the way, the the all the guard that we're talking about is. Allie Marpet. Mar- That's who yeah, retired. Marpet. Yep, you're right. Yep. I just wanted to make sure we keep referencing him and didn't say his name. Like, I knew his name the whole time. I just figured people knew about it. We so should anyways, put respect on that. Yeah. Heck yeah, man. I mean, also, like, I respect the guy retiring at 28 after he's already, like, accomplished so much in the game. Good for you, man. Get out while you're still, uh, while you're still doing well, you know? So, um... Yeah, so they don't really have a lot of cap, too. But, like, that's why I was trying to look for the more, like, modest veteran free agents. And that's the other reason why they, like, I love that you brought the Arians point. Like, I think I was thinking about that, but I never really expressed that. And I feel like there's guys that would fit really well into that. They wouldn't cost them a lot, you know? Even if they were part of a backfield and, like, I don't know, like, Vaughn turns into, like, a third down spell kind of a back. Like, I, I don't think he's a super threat there's some potential for him being that guy i think Keyshawn vaughn is an unbelievable buy well right now because there's a lot of narrative for him being the starter for tampa even though there's clearly ways that they could upgrade it, there's a chance that he could be and it's not going to cost you much to go out and get him right now like get ahead of that get ahead of that like see if you can throw out you could possibly throw out a fourth and people might just take that you know so um yeah I- i'd look at Keyshawn vaughn all right Davy, we're going to move on to backups because we're degenerates. So um, what would be your ideal backup landing spot? I think there's a couple of intriguing spots. New York Giants with the Saquon Barkley rumors could be interesting and his just overall health. Free, you know, I, I don't think he's injury prone by any means, but it's been unlucky at a minimum here and just a failed promise at times here. And 
and also Daniel Jones and that whole situation. Who knows? But Brian Dayball coming in and a new new a new management being there is a big deal in the front office. So, but my main one is for our backup landing spot would be Minnesota Vikings. I really like what I'm hearing with the coaching hire, Kevin O'Connell uh, being there, and then also what they did at GM. Really like that. It feels like it's going to be a great blend of football and and analytics. The big thing is that Dalvin Cook is there, and he's he is the he is the numero uno there. So it's not like any running back who's going there is going to be drafted to 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 eat his lunch by any means. But Dalvin Cook, while he's been he had there's always been a he fought through a lot of injuries this year. There's always a concern that he's going to re-injure that shoulder, deal with a lower body injury. He's had a lot of tread on the tires at this point. And there could be an Alexander Madison's been incredibly value valuable as a backup and he's a free agent. So I think uh, I, I really just think that'd be promising, especially too from a pass. Standpoint, I think Kevin O'Connell's going to want to pass the ball, to the running back. I just think overall, that'd be a great spot to, to come in there, not be a lot to invest, to go pick the whoever lands there won't be very expensive to go out and target for fantasy, but could see a two, three, four, five game stretch. If Dalvin cook is injured where they uh, can can pick up some very valuable fantasy points for your team. I love that pick. That that was a fantastic pick. All right. So I'm going to make mine short and sweet. It's Dallas. Now, Zeke's bio contract. Now, let's, Dave, I just want to get your thoughts. I would say that Zeke's contract was one of the best running back contracts of all time, wouldn't you say? Dude, we were laughing about We were reading it off before the show started. It is a laughable. Oh, laughable. Oh, horrendous. Horrendous. I think everybody knew it when it happened, you know? So if they cut him, uh, is it before this year? It's after this after year. This year he after this like year, they save. Million. Yeah, it's like an 11 million dead, dead cap hit, but it's like they saved 30, over $30 million by cutting him. He's gone. He's gone. Um, Tony Pollard's a free agent also in 2023, and he's probably too expensive um, for them to resign. So there's great opportunity here if there's a guy that you could kind of invest in and kind of wait on and they you know they could mix them in you know the reason why like i look at this as a great spot for a backup or philly with the starter is is the fact that it's the pollard piece i think that pollard on a longer deal dallas is just classic at overpaying people but overpaying pollard is a whole different stuff whole different ball game than overpaying zeke at this point you know so i could still see them investing long term in pollard and if that happens and they cut zeke Pollard to the moon, baby, you know? And Dave, who was all about Pollard before he was even uh, drafted in the NFL? I think it was me, right? Shut up. <laughs> uh, freaking loved Pollard. Uh, he wouldn't even talk yeah. about it on the show because he didn't want other people to know about it. That's actually 100% true. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, literally talking about most of my picks, but that was the one I was like, yeah, no, 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 no. I don't think I told you until after I, I got him, right? You no, know, you didn't. No, you didn't. Yeah, I don't think I did. I kept that one really close to the chest because I was in love. I'm like, oh, you look, he's such a sleeper. Yeah, that's really unlike me. I hit on that one. Good for me. Anyways, point being is that, like, I still see the possibility of him still getting a deal there and staying. But at that said, let's say that that does happen. Well, you just got a premier backup and in a, a good offense and a good situation with a good with a good line. The, the worst case scenario is not terrible at all. So, Dallas. By far my favorite spot for a backup. All right, I, un- I will yep. say, Todd, I understand the arguments. I, I am a little worried about Mike McCarthy being there. I, I'm not thrilled with his decision-making. And oh, the way they start, the, like, Corey Clement was the third running back on that team, and he was relegated in special teams the entire season. Like, they are just a two-back team at this point, so it's not like tough for that third back Corey to get Clement? in this year. Corey Clement. Hey, the darling a couple years ago after that Super Bowl. Oh, God, man. Come on. But, you know, I think all I'm saying is that I think you're not going to see a ton of investment unless there's an injury. You won't see a lot year one, but no, you won't. You won't. Yeah. And so but I don't hate it. Todd. I understand. I understand your argument. That's all I'm saying. I understand the argument, but that's my only pause. All right. Tell them where they can find you if they actually want to talk to you. (sighs) Well, Todd, we went back to disagreeing, which was good. Felt good to get back to her old ways. uh, Get some more rivalry back in the show. Speak for yourself. I'm not going to sleep all night now. I'm jacked. 
<laughs> but you no, know, you can find me over at DLF. I think two articles have dropped since we last recorded or had a show come out. Uh, I have one for Traylon Burks, like a 2020 uh, quick, easy read, quick hitting facts on Traylon Burks for Dynasty League football. And yeah, I'm really excited how that one went. It, it really, yes. And then you can find me uh, here as always. And I actually was on a podcast with Peter Howard. I was on the Dynasty Crossroads last week. And I'll be on a couple podcasts. I'm making like a UK tour coming up. I'm only going to be like three UK podcasts the next month. Excited about that. And most importantly, Todd, my Patreon is hopping right now. My databases, my updates, adding all kinds of advanced metrics, like crazy, elite, very useful metrics. Go check that out. But yeah, check up. I've been very busy boy, Todd. Very busy boy. What about you, sir? I'm very busy in life, not necessarily in the fantasy uh, scheme. I'm, I'm just tail two rivals all day, baby. So I'm at FF underscore the banter man. Uh, Dave, what do you got going on on Monday? Yeah, we're going to be uh, the Dynasty Digest with Skyler and crew. We're going to be uh, doing a rookie mock. I really enjoyed jumping into that uh, group chat where nobody knew I was there, and I just immediately made fun of Duchesne. So it was great. <laughs> yeah so um levi still not answer your questions stop asking uh but yeah man fun time as always and uh the one funny thing i want to leave you with dave somebody inquired about my Traylon burks uh share today my response was you're gonna need to significantly overpay i recommend just find looking somewhere else <laughs> it was like legit what i just told them i'm like i'm in love yeah i'm gonna ask for way too much you're not gonna want to pay that so Traylon burks to the moon Adios. Take care, Wilson.